All right, here we go. This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Waltons, Aluma Trailers, North Dakota Tourism Federal, Ammunition, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. Now, usually, I have the ability to make a mistake when I read headlines, and very well, this Travis. time, I do not. But today, we are live on the rooftop of Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota. We've got the whole Flush team together to kick out the start of hunting season Along with you, many of our listeners in the audience, it should be a great show. Brandon, cue the music. (laughs) (laughs) I did my job. I nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) The funeral dirge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he says he's going to edit that part. He always edits my mistakes into the show. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard many of my blunders and none of Brandon's. Weird. All right, anyway, welcome to this episode of the Flush Podcast. It's an honor to always sit down with the gentleman in the chairs next to me. I'm Travis Frank. I am your host. Brandon Martin is our producer extraordinaire over here. He is working magic, trying to make sure that we have audio so people can listen to us right now, but that you driving in your vehicle or sitting in your office or at home can also hear us. We are at Bear Cave Brewing in downtown Hopkins, Minnesota. This is a production of Scott Franzen making oh. this happen. I prefer to hide. <laughs> I didn't realize I, that. I prefer to hide and just be out in a field. I almost got ran over trying to get into this uh, brewing to get in here. This is out of my element, Ron, but we're sitting in front of many of our listeners tonight. Big shout out to all of you. Thank you all for coming. What a crowd. They came for Ron. They came for Bill and Scott. Bill, and when I, or Travis, when I said you had a face for radio, I was just kidding. Everybody wants to see you. Yes, yes. To my left, Scott Franzen, owner of Ron Shera Productions. To my right, Mr. Ron Shera. And to his right is Bill Shirk. We all host the Flush Television Show. We all love hunting, and hunting season is here. Gentlemen. We've got uh, quite a few topics that we're going to dig into tonight on this show. Hopefully, everybody sitting out here in the audience can be a part of this episode. If you have questions, if you have comments, anything at all, you get to come up. There's a microphone here. Grab the microphone. Bill, do you want to raise the microphone right there? At any time (laughs) you come up, we will stop what we're talking about You get to tell us a story, ask us a question. There's a whole bunch of swag here. Really cool, brand new hats from Onyx Maps that have uh, not been released to the public yet. There's some buffs, some hats from Federal. There's a Yeti uh, coffee mug. There's shirts. There's a 100-year anniversary special book from Federal. Huge shout-out to our sponsors for always keeping us um, going, keeping us getting us what we need in the field. And tonight we want to give a lot of that back to you. There's also elite memberships. So if you come up and ask a question, you get to take something back with you. And we encourage you to ask questions. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, I did 
take a video today. Anna over here is our social media director. And I said, if anybody has the best Ron Shera story tonight that is told. I've I'm, got one. I know, does that include Bill and I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care who tells the story. The best story I get to choose because I'm buying but I'm buying a beverage to whoever tells the best Ron Shera story. It doesn't even have to be true, Ron. I figured they won't be. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can say you can say true or false on that, but... I've got a couple of uh, fishing buddies out there that never have told the truth, and so they're going to come up, I'm sure. <laughs> well, fishermen don't lie. You can't. That's right. That's right. Um, gentlemen, <clears throat> I've already been hunting. You have not yet, Ron. Is this true? No, this no. season, Scott, no. have you been out yet? Not yet. Bill, you have been on a hunt. Let's start with you. You have just returned from North Dakota, or yeah, North Dakota. And I wanted to, I wanted to start by you know saying like, what are we excited for to get into hunting season? But you've already been hunting, so maybe give us a little bit of what your excitement level was going into it, and what you experienced out there. So we drove from here about a week ago out to far southwestern North Dakota, which is a long way from home. Holy cow, is it a long way from home. And the last, like, 200 miles is all gravel. And we went to a place where they get 10 inches of rain a year. Oh, come on. On the southern edge of the Badlands, 10 inches a year. So we had dry, dusty conditions for the start of the Sharptail Grouse opener. And uh, boy, what an opener it was. Just fantastic. So their, their opener came on Saturday the what, 10th, 11th, that sound right? something, 10th. Yeah, something like that. So yep. you were there for opening. Did you see other hunters out there? We saw one other group of hunters our third day in and figured out it was actually one of the ranch landowners, kitty corner to the areas we were hunting. So that person had their friends in to hunt the ranch land. I find that it was it. I find it interesting that North Dakota is such a popular bird hunting destination. And a couple of years ago, I was able to uh, hunt out in the Badlands area. And we were, I believe, north of where you were. But I was amazed that there was no other bird hunters out there. And that's why I thought, well, we were in the middle of the week. And you hear of all these other places that people can go and hunt. And yet the Badlands gets overlooked. And it's one of the most scenically or scenic, beautiful areas that I've ever Followed a bird dog. So the reason we were there, number one, there is a lot of plots land. Um, who here, raise your hand, by the way, if you know what plots are. If you don't, you should. Um, in North Dakota, that is property that is private, that the landowners open to public hunting. Um, the state has a map book. It's also online that they update every year, and it shows you all these spots you can hunt. And the amount of plots land there is incredible. We did see other deer hunters. There are archery hunters all over the place out there. And the license plates were darn near from all 50 states. Dang. But we were hunting sort of different territory from those folks. So, you know, you hear about the world being overpopulated and there being too many people. Not there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only 10 inches of rain, Bill, and a lot of dust. Yeah, tell me Speaking about it. Speaking of license plates, I just talked to a gentleman over here wearing a cowboy hat. I need you to come up for a second. Would you mind coming up here? <laughs> because this definitely, well, I think this is beautiful German short hair oh, pointer. My gorgeous. goodness, just oh my beautiful. Uh, I think this is going to be our furthest guest for this live show. 
Where name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Armand Sayed, and I'm trying to think, Travis. Like, where am I actually from? And, <laughs> and where is the farthest that I've been? Do you to know get where here? you are right now? <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> um, let's see. I currently reside in Berkeley, California. In May, I went to Vermont to go work with this wonderful animal here and get him trained up. And in between coming out here, I made a stop down in South Texas where I've been. So You just made a, you swung into South Texas quick. Swung into South Texas. <laughs> and then you <laughs> took a right to come <laughs> up for the podcast. <laughs> and then it came right up here. And I figure y'all are on the way back to California some way. Yes. <laughs> so I might as well bring my dog out. Cal is his name, and this will be his first season. And uh, I thought no better place to bring him than the home of grouse. Yeah. So you're, you're here for rough grouse. I'm here for rough grouse. Good timing. My man, you are in a great spot. Well, I think that deserves a hat or a buff or yes, something. Please yeah. take any of these items right here that suit your fancy. You, you, I mean, I love the cowboy hat. I really like the cowboy hat. But if you also want a ball cap, any one of these, and take an Onyx Elite membership with you. Yeah, thank you for coming up here. Good Welcome. luck this you. season. Yes. Safe travels, too. Well, rough grouse season is open in Minnesota. Woodcock season opens on Saturday, I believe. Am I right there, Scott? They don't open ben the Bredigan, same. Ben Bredigan, where are you? Opens the same. Same. They open the same day, Woodcock they? season opens on Saturday in Minnesota. Okay, yes. Oh. So I am going to. Scott. I'm going to. Shoot. <laughs> put those birds back. <laughs> I'm excited to go into the woods. I'm excited to go into the prairie. I am excited right now because this morning I woke up at 5.30, Ron. Don't look at me like that. Well, you're too excited. No, I'm not. <laughs> I am not too excited. I I forgot to tell you, I, I have been hunting. What'd you hunt? Golf balls. Ah. Oh, you find any? I don't know. Oh. That was my own. Dang it. But I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Now continue with well, your frenzy. I came skipping into the office this morning because I got up this morning at about 5.30, and when I went to bed last night, it was 92 degrees and humid, and I woke up this morning, and it was 52 with this beautiful, crisp north wind, and it just felt right, and I grabbed my dog, and we drove out to a WMA, and I, we went on a walk, and I have been working pretty hard with her, pretty regularly, and I'm trying to get her to a point where I can trust her without having to talk to her, without having to stimulate anything on the collar, and get her to stop, because she's got wheels on her. And, oh, yes, yeah, she does. And she likes to sometimes push her limits on how close she can get to a pheasant without flushing it, but she continuously flushes it, Ron. Today, she just was nailing it, and I have a training pistol with, shoots blanks, which I'm, I'm going through all the sequences of what will happen on, when we're out there in the field, and she was rock-solid points. Rooster's getting up right in front of her. Hens, she can do a pretty good with, depending on her days. Roosters give her some fits, and this morning, she was just pinning them down, Ron. I could have shot my limit and your limit right off of her snout this morning. And at one point, she went on point, right after this big old beautiful rooster gets up in front of her, and I shoot two blanks, and she doesn't flinch and stands there, just like she's supposed to. And we go another 100 yards, and 
10 pheasants come right up. She goes on point over this hill. My, the buzzer goes off. And 10 pheasants get up right in front of her. And she did not flinch. And for me, that is huge. Not only do I get excited to see that, obviously, but all the work that has gone into trying to get her to stop flushing birds. If you have a pointing breed and you've experienced what I've talked about on this podcast over the last couple of years, it can be frustrating when your dog that is, you know, not a short-ranging, close-ranging flushing dog, but a dog that you want to go out and find the birds, flushes them before you're within range. Today, it was a, a sight. It was poetry in motion out there in the field. That's how I, that's the only way to describe well, it. Well, I, I think beyond that, Trav, is you're seeing birds and you're, you're what, 45 minutes from here and you're flushing yeah. dozens of birds, which is pretty dang cool. Yep. So we walked out of the field. We, we saw 15 pheasants this morning and for central Minnesota where I live, that's excellent. I will take that any day. So this cool north wind that's blowing right now and the fact that I she went 10 miles, I went about five miles, and I just have the, I've got the juices flowing. You don't look impressed. Well, I'm a lab guy. I mean, you know, we don't have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> Boom. Anybody else out there impressed? I'm impressed. You're yeah. impressed. I'm impressed, <laughs> Travis. Get some thumbs Good job, up. Travis. All right, thank I don't you. want to interrupt, but I'm looking at my phone. Guess what I just got? Frost advisory <laughs> from the National Weather Service. Speaking Tonight? of Woodcock, you know what that means, right? Migration. Woodcock season Migration's is on, on. because yeah. one freeze, they're gone, and those birds are gone. But the reason that's good for hunters is those home birds. If you've ever hunted local woodcock, they know every nook and cranny in the trees, and they are almost impossible to harvest. But as soon as those birds start to migrate, the northern birds come down and they fill in those pockets. They don't know where they are. Those are the birds that go to the tops of the trees and out. And those are the ones I like to hunt. So The, the chip that. shots when they get to the top and they're like, all right, now, now, what? I can, now what do I do? And you have that moment where you can make that quick shot. So I'm excited by this uh, frost advisory. It's for Brainerd. Well, hey, I share your excitement. Ron, join us. What? In sharing the excitement. <laughs> He's upset he didn't find any top flights. Yeah. <laughs> Ron, what are you most excited about coming into this hunting season? Well, that's easy. <laughs> These folks don't know. Um, I was an avid rough grouse hunter, and, uh, uh, and then I had an eye issue, a, t a torn retina, and that took my grouse hunting away from me. So, and also, all my ravens are in happy hunting grounds. So without a dog and with a bad eye, I can't get excited about rough grouse, although Minnesota is the leading state in the nation for rough grouse hunting. I don't think a lot of people, uh, even Minnesotans, know that. I mean, we, we lead the nation in rough grouse hunting. Um, and, and so now, as far as woodcock, um, uh, interesting bird. We've done Minnesota Bond stories on him, but you had a... You had a chef friend here. I'd like to hear from him about how he fixes woodcock. Simon, Simon, they, would they, you come uh, up, please? They, uh, woodcock feed primarily on night crawlers. I mean, that ought to tell you everything you need to know. Uh, <laughs> Just like the walleyes you catch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, so I, 
I'm looking forward to pheasant hunting because with special glasses, I can see the birds easier, even though they look three times in the distance. So I'm not trying to get any sympathy here, but uh, when you lose your shooting eye, you lose a lot of... Uh, you still have the same... You still have the same joy going out into the field, though. It, well, once I don't you have get, a, Once you get there, you does it kick back course. in I mean, for you? It's not all about getting something. The joy is. Uh, we're going to do a few flush episodes this fall. This the joy is being with some people that I know. Even if uh, I'm there, you're going to be joyful. What about um, me, Ron? Do you maybe, like to hunt with me? Maybe Please? I'll be with Scott. I'll be really <laughs> joyful to be with Scott. Great, two guys um, without hunting eyes. So uh, an eye she, pill. She I don't have eyes. a dog. That takes away. I mean, so. <clears throat> Of course, I'm joyful. I, I've been chasing pheasants for a long time. I still remember the very first pheasant I ever got. Can you tell can us the story? Flying. Can you tell everybody out here right now the story? Well, I, I, I grew up in a small town in Iowa on a railroad tracks. It was full of weeds and everything else. And there was a, an area that uh, uh, the, the city would just let grow wild uh, with the tall vegetation, some of which I don't even know to this day. And I had a 410 single shot that I got for Christmas from my dad and a box of 410 number six. And it was a hammer, uh, a hammer uh, shotgun, uh, which is very dangerous, by the way, because if you pull it back and don't get it locked and slip it forward, your gun's going to go off. Anyway, that's another story. Anyway, I chased pheasants for a long time with that 410 and never got one uh, 410, you got to be a real crack shot, and you better be fairly close. And I didn't, you're building yourself up here, know, of course, because no, you I got know. the bird. I, well, I miss a lot of them. Does that mean you ground pounded and then it? Finally, right? No. <laughs> I thought about it many times. Uh, but finally, uh, this old rooster got up, and I can still see him flying, and I pulled the trigger, and my Lord, he went down. And uh, he landed in some water, so he wasn't real pretty at the end, but I'll never forget him. So... And really, that's kind of the essence of what hunting is. That's why you, you get so excited for where things you've been. Uh, Bill, too, you guys get excited about. This is what it's all about. It's, and getting a bird or what, what, what more beautiful bird do we have in North America than the ringneck pheasant? I'll say that maybe wood ducks are, are right. equally the good. Are... And so I celebrate that. So... Um, don't misunderstand my body actions here. No, uh, I, I know, I know. I, yeah. I like to give you a hard time. People are kind of getting a glimpse of us as a team here when we're... Well, I'm the chief of hard times. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's why I like to give you such a hard time because you give it right back and it makes it fun. And that's part of the fun. You know, there's, we see some hunters out here and their dogs and their buddies and I guarantee they're giving each other a hard time and that's such a big part of it. Scott... What for you, what brings you back into the field and what are you most excited heading into this season? Oh, well, <clears throat> the dogs. I mean, it, it's, that's the big thing. I mean, I've got a, a young pup. She's a year and a half. Her sister's here. And I actually want to shout out to some people that have come uh, to the podcast and I've been in the show. Uh, Dan Berglove, uh, Jim Wood, Jeff Elder from Just First Hunt and mother-daughter hunt, Steve Olenschlager from North Dakota Photographer. We have a lot of people that have been in the show come and support us tonight, so thank you. Yeah, thank you all for being out here tonight. We really, really appreciate it. It's, it's a lot of fun to see you guys, and 
we've gotten to share a few stories beforehand, yeah. and we'll share more after this is done. And hopefully you come up and share some with our listeners, well, too. That, and that's what going. I was... Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I think for me, it's like everybody else. It's if And, and this is what Ron was touching on. If, if you don't have that four-legged companion, some of that desire and drive to get back in the field is, is waned. I remember I had a dog that blew out her ACL and I hunted one time that fall and it was somebody else and it just wasn't the same. And I said, I don't, I don't want to go out again. So Millie's a year and a half. She got to hunt last fall. We were just talking about that with, with the guys over here. And, and I'm just really excited to see that evolution, kind of like you were talking about with Daisy and what year two gets to bring for her. But I mean, I'd like to hear from everybody here and what they're excited for. Yeah, anybody out there have anything this season that they're really, yeah, come on up, come on up. I think he has a question or a story. Yes. Maybe, but yeah, you got, you got it. Throw on the headset and give us your name. I'm Todd Porter from Chanhassen. I've been fishing with Ron for the last 25 years in the opener, so I don't know if it's a question or a story about Ron, but... <laughs> We have a big walleye tournament for the opener, and he's a big deal, right? He Just ask him. And so <laughs> we have the big walleye tournament, and my friend Mark Bungard just walked away because he doesn't want to hear this, but I'm just asking Ron, you know, he's never won it. Everybody's won this big walleye tournament except for Ron, and he's got a series of excuses, which we don't have time for. Oh, no, we have time for oh, that. Oh, we've got, yeah, let's hear him. And we, well, we go through them all the time Travis, as well. here's what he will do. He will go to how many people have won the award while they've been in his boat. Yeah. Lex, like, I was deer hunting with a guy that shot a trophy. <laughs> so the, the last 10 years, he comes into my office and sulks and tells me the story about who caught the biggest walleye yeah. in his boat. And yeah. it wasn't him. Yeah. And, and we, we talk through this and we, we embrace and we say, next year it's going to happen. Next year is your year, Ron. We have said that for a lot of years. I, I hope, know. I know. I it gets old saying it, doesn't it? by the time Ron wins the big walleye award. <laughs> Would you guys somehow rig it? So that nobody catches a walleye. So no matter what he catches, it's the biggest. I've thought with, of that. I've actually with, thought of that. He fishes with family, and they won't even lie for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I think he's destined uh -huh. to just be O for spring when it comes to the big walleye award. But that was just kind of my thing with Ron. I love fishing with Ron. We have a great time. Thank you for that story, Todd. It's yeah. sad this will be your last trip ever with us. <laughs> Todd. But I'm going to buy you a drink. And grab a hat, too. <laughs> Or a buff or One anything. One of the jokes that we have in our office that I love is that when Ron comes back, if, if there's always a reason why. And usually it's there's not enough wind. There's too much wind. It's too hot. Too cold. Too cold. They it was raining. Biting. They weren't biting. But it wasn't raining enough. <laughs> there's always a great reason why. He's the king of excuses. But when he, when Ron Shera has a good day in the field... Nobody struts like a peacock like you, you. You are the best at letting us know how good it is. I would went. agree with that. You the, got the, a problem you, with all of those? No, and that's what makes you wonderful. And that's why we love going to fish camp. We're and, actually taking what? notes, Ron. So this, is, this is pick on Ron night here. <laughs> not Bill, you all. have not joined in. Thank you very much. I'm saving myself. Oh, you're saving yourself. <laughs> You've got a story? You have a Ron story you want? so many Ron stories. Yeah. No, look, we won't go there. Should we? Okay, so we do have a bunch of questions from people that are not here tonight. I have a whole packet of them we can dig into. Um, do you want to do that right now, Scott? Yeah. How are you feeling sure. about and it? And if anybody else has a question out there, come on up. Don't be yep. shy. Don't be shy. 
Hunting season is just around the corner, and that means it's time to start planning. If you're looking for a great bird hunting destination this fall, then I strongly recommend that you consider one of my favorite places to hunt. That's North Dakota. North Dakota is a bird hunter's paradise. You can hunt both waterfowl and upland birds all in the same day. And North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting. This year, North Dakota has a population estimate of 3.4 million breeding ducks, which is 38% above the long-term average, and their prey pothole region is smack dab in the middle of the central flyway. Their spring water index also came way up, over 600% from last year's drought. Habitat on the landscape looks great, and I'm hearing reports of a strong hatch from their upland birds. With a little scouting, you just might find yourself in a field surrounded by wild flushing pheasants, sharp-tailed grouse, and Hungarian partridge. Start planning your fall hunt in North Dakota at legendarynd.com. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. Um, I also want to say we have some special guests, too, for me. My mom and dad are sitting over there. Thank you so much for coming out. My mother listens to every one of these podcasts, every single one of them. Mom, do you want to come up and, and share one thing that you like or dislike that you've heard me talk about? Here comes my mom. This is what it's kind of like behind the scenes at our office, except for now you get to see it. Wow. So I feel like I'm like right with you now, Travis. So I will really be extra special. Next step excited. is to come out into the field when we're filming a yes. TV show. Yes. yes, I sure will. I sure will. Here's some things I don't like to hear about on the podcast. Um, I didn't have my hearing aids in and there was a rattlesnake right by me and sure. somebody yelled stop or he would have been bit by a rattlesnake and he didn't have his... Whatever those snake things gators. are, snake gators. Yep. Um, I don't like to hear about flying in a single-engine plane and doing a 360 in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> don't like to hear about that. I didn't like that, that either. Um, yep. I don't like to hear about I'm just right at the very edge of a cliff, and if I slip... I'm going nowhere but down, and no one's going to find me for three days. <laughs> um, I don't like to hear about... Uh, ice that's too thin when you're ice fishing and things like that. So there's many things that I hear that moms don't want to know about, and that's why I have to listen to every episode because otherwise I will never know. <laughs> I don't tell her these stories because then I don't want her to worry, 
Ron, you understand. Of course. Of course. Ron has advised me very well. Anything that stands out to you that you've listened to that you really like to hear that we talk about? I love hearing all the stories. I love to hear how passionate people are about hunting. I love the stories about their dogs. Your dog has passed away, and I cry every time I hear that story. Oh, and I do, too. <laughs> oh, gosh. And you guys are just so passionate. I just love how excited you are and the fact that you love your job. Um, we should all be so lucky. Well, thank I, you for... I have a question for you, though. When, when you hear these stories about Travis, do, when he comes to dinner the next time, do you chastise him? Do you waggle <laughs> your finger at him and say, young man... What are you doing? She does. She brings it right. up. Yeah, I do bring it up. And then she tells on me to my wife, and then I have to hear about it again. Because <laughs> some of this stuff I have not heard either. Because I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I have Just a lot. Of, I have a lot of mothers and fathers around me, which I feel very blessed to have. A lot of people that care, obviously, and my dad as well, who's sitting right over there. Uh, one thing about being in this in in television or print that you've been in, Ron. Uh, that I, you have hired me and now given me the opportunity to be on your TV shows and continue telling stories that you started many years ago is that you open yourself up for criticism from people that watch, that know more than you do, that tell you you should have done something different. And you've told me many years ago that you have to have thick skin. And one thing I noticed about you is, remember when I was talking about strutting like a peacock? The thinnest. Yes. <laughs> you're you're extremely confident in yourself and you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And so I've tried to do the same thing. And one thing that I'm really always grateful for and I'm trying to do with my kids is to build them up so they have a lot of confidence. My parents, my mom, my dad over here, they always spoke so highly of me. I always had all this confidence and I feel like today it allows me to do what I'm doing and make mistakes in front of other people and power through it, knowing that I'm confident in what I'm doing. So anyway, Mom, thank you for listening to my podcasts. You <laughs> thank job. you for coming out tonight. <laughs> Dad, thank you so much for everything you've always done. Ron, did you get a beer? Yes. I uh, just had somebody else get you a beer. How well, many good. I'll have another Beers one are then. flowing okay. for Ron. Let's Billy, start with a... Billy needs one. Bill? Bill? Pass that down. Beers here. Uh, one, one interesting thing about the Bear Cave Brewing that I didn't know till I got here was that when you come in... You have, uh, you get um, like a wristband, Brandon, yeah. is that how you explain it? And then you scan it, self-serve beer. Have you ever been to a place like that, Bill? Yes, it's called my house. Yes, okay. <laughs> so there's all, wall, you have a wall full of all these taps at your house with different variety of beers. And it's, it knows how much you take when you scan it. And then you, if you want just a sip of this one, you can have a sip of that one. And there's walls full of beers. It's really cool. All Bill's, I know Bill's is, boys settle up with him at the end of the month, right? <laughs> they do. All I know is my overdraft just kicked in. Scott's <laughs> buying tonight. Okay, let's get to a couple questions. Uh, this one comes from Mark Widen. Travis, thanks for all the good upland hunting shows. You notice how he says Travis there? Yeah, um, yeah okay. Yeah, what's that? Uh, I'm reading it as it was written, Rob. Oh, great. Is that have, from your mom, too? <laughs> this is not from my mother. I have been... Show and, your mother. <laughs> this is not... <laughs> I have been an avid bird hunter for over 40 years. I'm from Georgia and have hunted quail and grouse, which are almost non-existent in our state. For the last 10 years, we have been going to Wisconsin to hunt grouse. I was planning a trip this year to hunt quail and pheasants in Kansas. I understand that Kansas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska have been in severe drought, which may severely impact bird numbers. I would like your thoughts on that, and I wanted to reach out to you and see if you would recommend 
a different destination to hunt either grouse, quail, or wild birds on a self-guided hunt. I would entertain hunting in another state. Or if you think it's good, I will continue researching the Kansas area. So I have some opinions on that or some advice, but I want to hear what you guys think. Well, I would, uh, you know, <clears throat> weather's funny. Weather doesn't strike uh, uniformly everywhere. So is, this, is he from Kansas? He's from Georgia. 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 From Georgia. Well, he's got to kind of get some more advice from some Kansas people because uh, where there may have been a severe drought in Kansas where the birds didn't do well, there might be other parts from in Kansas that the birds did really well. Um, I've not seen any Kansas reports, but again, you got to do the same thing. Minnesota did a survey. Pheasant numbers are up nicely, but not everywhere. So you got to do your research. Now, Iowa pheasants are up too, but same thing. You got to do your research about where they're up and where they're not. And uh, it's just not, you just can't say I'm going to Kansas or Nebraska. Nebraska is another one. I have not heard from them, but uh, I guess my the, the moral of the story is I learned this years ago, and sometimes you'll have a stretch where hail hit a big area and that wiped out the hatch. But just a few miles over, the hail didn't hit and you have a great hatch. So, uh, I mean, some of that is hard to research, I get it, but you can't make blanket statements about places. Sure, Scott? Well, I, I would agree with Ron, but what I'd add to what Ron was saying is you can take the information that they have regarding the hatch and overlay that with Kansas in particular, but North Dakota's this way too, they have a tremendous walk-in program and um, a map on the website, and um, you can access it on an app too. And you can overlay that, you can use your OnX too to look at it as well, and overlay that to see where the hatch perhaps has been good and where the public areas are. And we did a show down there, oh, it was about four years ago, we're just hunting walk-in areas, and this was around the Norton area, and there was a ton of public walk-in areas there. And that was a year, to Ron's point, where the pheasant hunting and the quail was, was good. Um, but if you look, you can go online to Kansas, find, find the report on the bird hatch, and then look at the walk-in hunter. They have a million acres that's open to public hunting down there. And you can find... You can narrow it down then to areas to make a base camp and then, you know, hunt from there type sure. of thing. Yeah. And on top, I would, I would add to this. If you go on the, uh, if, if you did a quick Google search of U.S. drought map, there's a couple yes. different places yep. you can go. And it will show you around the country certain regions that got moisture, that didn't, where they're standing. There's a lot of information there. so And that was on the PF report that just came out, too. Right. Was that there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> did you mention that? I'm sorry if you no, did. I, didn't. I, I didn't. just think that you can, you can really find out quickly that maybe a certain part of Kansas is going to be pretty good this year, which is what I've been hearing, that there are places down there. This might also be a year that you try somewhere that you've never been. I think... I know. Based <coughs> I know. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know is amazing place. But I will. Yeah, so he's coming from Georgia. If you're driving that far and you've been to Wisconsin, you've been to Kansas, I would say 
There is zero drought in North Dakota this year. It is way up water-wise. It's up like 600%, I think. Um, it's way up. The people that I've talked to that are hunting out there right now are seeing birds, lots of birds. This might be a year where you say, all right, Kansas did get a beating. Nebraska, Oklahoma, some of those areas are very bad. And if you don't want to risk it and find a pocket, you're not willing to put in a little bit extra time to find that pocket, then this would be a year that I would say you might want to travel to North Dakota. Look at you both might, Dakotas. Yeah. 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 And, and I say North Dakota because I like the variety of birds there myself. I love Hungarian partridge. I love pheasants. I love sharp-tailed grouse. And you get that mixture, which makes each hunt that much more fun, in my opinion. But South Dakota, I've heard nothing but great, great reports this year. Scott, we're on a couple of group texts that come yep. in at least a couple times a week with videos of just <laughs> birds getting up. The habitat looks great. Travis, Minnesota, too. Travis, another thought. Uh, we filmed a flush episode several years ago in the panhandle of Texas. Yeah. I would never think of going there. I mean, this is Texas. I mean, quail, yes. Uh, antelope, deer, yes. Pheasants in Texas. Well, we got word, though, and that what I'm getting the point is, sometimes if you have local connections, uh, and this person reached out to us because of, he'd watched the flush and said, you got to come to the panhandle in Texas. I'll guarantee you there's birds everywhere. And he, we went there, basically following, you know, following his word, and hunted with him. And he was absolutely right. There were pheasants everywhere in the panhandle of Texas, and and that panhandle goes up towards Oklahoma. We weren't far from Oklahoma, but we were in Texas. I was amazed. I mean, who would say of all the pheasant hotspots, Texas would be among? So there's another way of finding where to go. Yeah. And, and he mentioned coming up to Wisconsin to hunt for grouse. I, I keep hearing people from the east traveling west to hunt our grouse in yes. Michigan and Wisconsin. I rarely hear of people traveling from the east to hunt grouse in Minnesota. I would argue from my experience, which is limited in Michigan, limited in Wisconsin, I have hunted them there, but I would argue that Minnesota has as good, if not better, grouse, rough grouse hunting. Than, than Wisconsin or Michigan. Bill, you've got more experience in the grouse woods. Would you agree or disagree? All three are pretty fruitful. Yeah. Um, what Michigan has going for it, they have a state program where they do habitat work. The gems. In the grouse woods. Those gems projects are expansive. The, they're not 40 acres. They're not 100 acres. It's almost like BLM property in the West where it's sure. thousands. Um, that's a resource we don't have as much of sure. here in Minnesota. Let me tell you another story, Travis. Uh, years ago, I got I, I got to take Tom Weisskopf, the famous golfer, grouse hunting. I, I, I don't remember how it happened, but he was an avid grouse hunter and hunted. He lived in Ohio and hunted grouse in Ohio. So we we hooked up and took him and a friend of his grouse hunting not very far into northern Anoka County or just across the border to some WMA areas there. For people there. outside of Minnesota, that's just north of the metro area. Yeah, just north of the metro area. And we hunted this some place I had hunted before. I took him there, the three of us. I think I had a raven with me. Anyway, we, we just an afternoon, we had 23 flushes. 
I don't think we got that many birds. I know we didn't get that many birds. We got 23 flushes, and I think we got three or four birds, that's all. And then we stopped for a beer, and he said, Ron, you understand that the 23 flushes we got today would be a whole season for me in Ohio. That just, I go, <laughs> really? Yeah. So uh, that'll give you some idea. Yeah. No, we, I, we hear from a lot of our listeners, a lot of our viewers all the time that travel up this direction for our grouse hunting. Uh, Bill, you're going to be heading up to Maine here, what, in two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, I'm working on my accent. Yeah? <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> Somebody's got his hands in the air over there. We are flying, what, in a week? to Presque Isle and going into the North Main Woods. They're great resource up there. Three and a half million acres of lumbering woods that are open to public hunting. Um, and I'm really interested to experience it because there are gates. The gravel roads all have gates and you check in, you sign in, you pay 30 bucks and you just go. Um, we'll be actually in a moose camp. Uh, the state shuts down moose hunting because the rut is at its peak that first week of October, and that's when they dedicate their time to their annual woodcock and grouse camp. The, so, the moose guides that you're hunting The moose with. guides. Yeah. And they are nabbed a dog people, and, yeah, I am really excited because my entire life I've loved grouse, but now I finally get to do it in first the East. First time. Can I, well, Bill, I've heard if you put a little cow estrus behind your ear, that helps the grouse hunting in the Maine woods. Yep. That's not true, Scott. <laughs> Moose and heat. We've got a gentleman over here with two thumbs up when we mention Maine. Can you come up here for just a second? Uh-oh. He's going to put on the headset. He's smiling. All right. How are you? What's your name? I'm Dan Berglove. I am, uh, what, Millie's dad? Uh, yeah. Father? Yeah, dad father. Yeah. yeah. Godfather. Um, so I lived in Maine for 10 years, and I been to the area. By the way, Bill, I'm so happy to be to see you're him. one of my heroes. Oh. <laughs> you got to aim uh, higher. Oh, wait. <laughs> Dan, we're going to have a but chat no, about we, that. <laughs> <laughs> we Weren't made you? two or three trips up to Maine, or the North Maine woods every year, and it was just amazing. There's so many places to go, so many opportunities. And for old guys like me, it's pretty easy hunting So for right. what it's worth. So. so explain this, because when I have my vision of hunting grouse in that part of the country, it's all about the storied camps and all of that. But this is a very different scene. It's commercial property. It's commercial forest land. Um, and so there are tons of logging roads to walk and drive if you choose to. Um, and so, I mean, literally, you're really just picking off a small piece of territory every day because there's so many places you can possibly go. And at least when I was there, which was some time ago, there were a lot of birds. Yeah. Um, and Have, so a lot of flushes every day. Do you, so. being a, now a Midwest Minnesota grouse hunter, Dan, do you, how would you rank or rate, compare the two, hunting in the Northeast to hunting here? Um, it's easier. <laughs> there Maine. or here? It's easier in Maine because really? you can kind of drive to birds. Um, and so we, you know, we, of course, now it would be different because we have Onyx and a lot of aerial photography, aerial imagery and whatnot you can use to find spots. Yeah. 
Um, but we would drive until we see birdie spots, get out and hunt. And you, it, you might drive 10 miles before you got to a birdie spot, you get out and hunt. Um, whereas my experience in northern Minnesota, you put on your boots and start walking. Yeah. You know, that's how you're going to find the spots. All right, I have to ask you, you've been there. I've heard about the trains in the North Woods. Have you ever, first off, heard of or seen the trains? I don't have any experience with that. All right, so in the middle of the North Woods, there are a bunch of abandoned steam locomotives. Okay. Because Canada, way back in the day, needed to ditch a bunch. And they thought, what are we going to do with these things? So they built a track down into Maine. Because there was, you know, no sight, no sound. Nobody was around. And they dead-ended and dumped all these locomotives in the woods. Wow. And we're going to go see the trains. I don't know if that's it. Here's another thing to watch out for Maine. There are a lot of iron deposits in the woods. Do not trust your compass. You will get, you you might get a half a mile in off from a road and end up walking in circles because the magnetic compass just does not work. So what about the gravel about up there? That. We've been warned that we're going to get flat tires because they have a real sharp, almost shale gravel. And, and we're talking about doing like 300 miles in on a, gravel in the North Main Woods. In a day. Yeah. Or for the whole trip. For the trip. Yeah. I, did, I don't remember having issues. Good. Um, but... It's a little bit like the Alaska Highway, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Going back <laughs> yeah. to your uh, yeah. compass uh, example, you can also find places in northern Minnesota where you cannot believe your compass. I have experienced that myself. I spent and a night out there once because of that. Yeah, yeah. Where? Uh, this would have been... East of Bemidji, about 15 miles. So because of his compass, he was actually 10 miles west. Of that. <laughs> I was o- closer to the iron range, and uh, where you have these iron deposits that are real close to the ground, you can watch your compass as you walk, and it will go from telling the truth to going 180 degrees difference. That's why I use onyx. <clears throat> and, Not yeah, an issue. and, and uh, I was deer hunting there when I first... I, why, are, why are all these... Trees being painted with red, green, and I go, why are people painting all these trees? And it was only till I decided to go off on following a deer track in the snow, thinking it was pretty fresh, maybe I could catch up with them, that I took compass readings and discovered that my compass was lying to me. Now I didn't know when it was telling me the truth, or it was overcast day, no sun, no nothing. When it was telling me the truth or when it was telling me the false, I actually turned around in my own tracks in the snow to go back to where I started and took another compass reading and it told me this time I watched it and it, anyway, I survived obviously, but uh, yeah, you can do that in Minnesota too. There are places you cannot believe your compass. We're blessed to have electronics like Onyx and such today that we, yes. If you you go to those places, make sure you... Square off where you're going to go so you have the offline version that you can use. I mean, we used it up in Alaska last week. And, I mean, the only way to communicate with anybody is with a satellite phone. But yet, we can see our our position thanks to Onyx. So you don't need the internet there or anything like that? No, you, you just do the offline version. You save, you download that map, and it works with or without cell service. All right, I want to do a little so, poll well, here. Yeah, grab a hat. I, I do say, though, I... 
I heard there might be a trip to Idaho. And I lived in Idaho for a year, so. Yeah. Whereabouts? Um, I lived um, in Boise, but well, I go. hunted Hell's Canyon, I hunted Twin Falls, I hunted all up and down the Snake River Valley. You're going to have to pre-warn. And Travis, you have yes, been there. I have. So I, I'm going to give a little quiz to Scott of yes. things to watch out for, and you've experienced these. Um, so first, the first one is, what's a tumbler? Tumbler. <laughs> Tumbleweed? A tumbler is the Hungarian you shot that just went off yep. a 200-foot cliff, and you got about an hour task to go down and get it. Well, I might bring Travis for that part of the hunt. <laughs> I was thinking the tumbler yeah. with Scott rolling down the mountain. Yeah, I too. did not take some shots because I knew the cliff was too steep, and I didn't want a dog be, to go be after it. on your whistle yes. because I literally stopped my dog 10 yards from... Going off. Going flying. Yeah. What else you got Whoa. for him? So the second one is, um, what's a climber? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm learning. I don't know if you saw this, but many times I have seen a flock of chuckers yep. that literally climb up a slope. They don't fly. They climb up a slope rather than fly. And they run up and they fly down. I was That's what say, they're known chase for. I would, yep. It's a Minnesota guy wouldn't do it. I would take my shot on him climbing up the slope, but that's up to you to do that, right? All right, so um, now I'm, is there more education? Yeah, another right one okay. is, which I know you experienced because I saw it on the podcast, which is cliffing out. Which is what? Cliffing out. So you're, the one that you, I did? You, hire, you hike in three quarters of a mile, and you come to a 200-foot cliff, and you have to turn around and go oh, yeah. oh, all okay. the yeah. way back. So that's another one to get used to. Um, gosh, what was my last one? Whatever. I can't remember. Well, but that's it, plenty of advice. A, he need, don't a, tell him everything because he needs yeah. to figure some things out for his own. Oh, I remember his own. Well, one. you're not going so, to Hell's Canyon, so are you? another one is what you have, uh, I saw you experience, what's a bench? Something you sit on when it's, you're tired from hunting. No, it's 50 <laughs> yards of easy walking, and yes. it might be the only oh, easy yeah, the walking bench. you have all day. So, uh, But it's a great trip. Anybody that hasn't been out to that part of the world hunting um you should do it before you're like me and too old to do it again so but yeah but anyway. there are areas around boise you don't have to go to hell's canyon right i've been in the hell's canyon i've hunted the boise area as well and they will apologize to you profusely when you see two thousand birds a day but and you they won't tell come you, on two thousand you won't they, see any chuckers no Those you won't see chuckers there no yeah Where's sure. the spot where I just have to put up my decoys and put my chair down and wait? <laughs> yeah, I, that, I, that's the spot I want. I kind of turned into uh, sage grouse and snucker and sucker chop. I'm sorry, chucker snob. While I was out there, sorry, snucker chop, sucker chop. Um, it's it's easy. easy to it's do. easy to get really yeah. tight into those birds because you're not going to find them anywhere else other yeah. than there. So. Yeah, beautiful anyway, place. Th Dan, thanks, thank guys. you so thanks, much. Dan. Thank Make you. sure to take an Onyx. Uh, Knuckles for you too, yes, uh, hat, but also an elite membership too, Dan. Oh, great, thank you. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I use it on every hunt, seriously, every hunt. Their app tells me everything I need to know about the lands that I want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on. The app also shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. 
It tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state land or federal lands or walk-in access properties. It's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during a hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. And there's a timber cut layer to help you find the right forest habitat for rough grouse. If you hunt in North Dakota, there's even a layer that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx apps give you. And these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we changed the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight control FlexWad technology and a mix of copper-plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, deadly shot strains through any choke. Longer shots, more power, fewer missed birds, only from Federal. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything, for your everyday cooking and wild game processing needs. Plus, they have experts on staff to help you learn how to use those products to get the best results. John Tremblay hosts their MeatGistics podcast, live streams and live chats, which are interactive learning tools for the meat processing community. If you have questions, John and his team have the answers, from sausage making to smoking, recipes to seasonings, and so much more. Walton's products ship the same day you order. They have over 5,000 items in stock from grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, smokers, vacuum sealers, woo, and a whole lot more. Order the same seasonings and supplies that professionals use from the best name in the wild game processing industry. Then sign up for their monthly giveaways. Waltons, they have everything but the meat. Next question is, this This one comes from several viewers. Are there any items that you carry in your vest that you wouldn't hunt without? So I was just going to ask a couple of minutes ago. First off, everyone in the crowd, raise your hand if you are a hunter. All right. No lying here. Be honest. How many of you actually keep fire and an old-fashioned compass in your vest? I'm curious. I do. I've got one, I've got two, I've got three. So, right, four of us. I'm a scout. I was an Eagle Scout. The compass will save you at some point. It absolutely will. We, it saved us in the, on the edge of the Boundary Waters two years ago. We got all backwards chasing a dog that was on the run. And one little bluff will change all of that for you. So, have the compass with you. You might not use it for 10 years, but that one time you need it. I used to laugh when I heard people tell me stories. Not really laugh, but like in, to myself, I'd kind of laugh thinking, that would never happen to me. I am one with the woods that I would never get lost. Oh. And then one day on a cloudy day, like you were just saying, Ron, on a cloudy day, everything looked identical. I was in northern Minnesota, way up by the border, and all the trees, it was, everything was the same cut. And I all of a sudden came back to the trail that I had left. And I laughed and I said, that's how it happens. And for a second, I was a thousand percent sure I was heading north. I did a complete loop and came right back to the trail I started on. And I thought to myself, okay, yep, that's how it happens. It can happen. And you need to figure out what to do and that's why like when we were up in alaska last week there was a guy that would that had been missing for like two or three weeks that still 
is gone missing. And obviously, that's an extreme case up there. But like Dan said, he spent the night by Bemidji. Bemidji is, is remote, but it's not that remote compared to some of these other places. Anyway, anything else in Bill, your... Do you carry... I carry toilet paper, too. You never know <laughs> when do. this is going to happen. I do. I actually wrote that on I've my list. I've got this gnarly little Charmin yeah, me too. thing. Uh, yeah. stuff that's all moldy from 15 yeah. years. Being used in, before, being maybe? Wet. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, what about matches? you carry those just for the hell of it? So I carry... I carry magnesium. Okay. Uh, with a knife, because that will always work. Matches, even waterproof matches, things can go wrong. Lighters. Yep. You know, they don't work. A, they they're get a wet. start, but. Let me tell you, I've, I've, I've been lost, maybe seriously lost one time, confused many times, but that <laughs> is the most frightening yep. thing you can experience. The sun's going down, the light's going down, and you don't know where in the hell you're at. And then you come out on a road and you say, well, that must be the road. Well, you don't know. That ain't the road. But you're on a road, so that's part of it. You're on a road, stay on a road. But anyway, yeah, very, very frightening to get lost. Yeah. Uh, two other items. A pliers. I always have a, need a needle nose pliers. I've With used it many times over the last couple of years. Why? For what? Uh, particularly Por porcupine Porcupines. Clothes. Yeah, if your dog gets into porcupines, you've got a face full. You want to be able to... Get those out. And then wire, wire cutters are another one. Uh, uh, Nipix yeah, wire cutters. I, I, I carry the same. Both, both. And, and then probably the most important thing I have in my uh, stuff if I get lost is a six-pack of beer. <laughs> so that at least I'm going to have a good time if I go out. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Moving right along here. How, how do I buy a pair of PF leather gloves? And I wrote this one down because this is the most – we laugh about this, Scott <laughs> – this is the most commonly asked it question I get. Is, yeah. is what hey, are the gloves you're wearing? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so for a while, Pheasants Forever sold these leather gloves that had this patch on them. And I, every time a television show would air, we'd have viewers say, where do you get your gloves? So they don't sell them anymore, and they haven't sold them for two years uh, that but, I... That I'm aware of. Wellsamont has a pair that's just like them. Yep. And, so last year I, I started wearing the Wells Lamont, and they are the deer skin driver gloves, they're I, called. I, I wear yeah. deer skin gloves. The yeah. better question is why do you wear it? Because I have my own answer. What's your answer? Um, I get myself into some pretty tricky places. and What do you mean tricky places? Well, I don't know. Like I, I'm always in the thickest cover. I'm always in, I'm either climbing up something. I guess I wear them when I'm handling my dog. Uh, I wear them... I wear them pretty much all the time, and I guess I don't know why. I, I don't think about it. I just do. Why well, do you wear them? What's your reason? <laughs> I wear them because uh, I've, I've grabbed some ringneck pheasants that it had Bike. big spurs on them, and sure. if I grab them... You only it, shoot the trophies. I, I, I understand. Don't wanna, I don't want to get my foot with spear. The other thing is sometimes going through brush with thorns and burrs and stuff, I can push them away with my, with my leather gloves. Yeah. And... Um, Another, especially when I'm turkey hunting, it's dark, and when I know we're talking pheasant hunting, but turkey hunting, I wear leather gloves, so I want to sit by the tree, and there's stuff by the base of the tree, and I want to push it away with my hand. A lot of times, those plants have got all kinds of mean things in them, so yep. that's another reason I wear them, but, um, and then just feeling it. The, the deer skin versus cowhide 
leather. Is, no, I like it's deer, a more flexible. Deer skin is soft. Skin is soft. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I, the, so it's the nine, the model number 962, the Wells Lamont deerskin gloves that I've, yeah. You wear gloves, Bill? Uh, yes, I do all the time. Because my shooting coach always told me it was the right thing to do to get used to the gun. Because you're going to use them for the dogs, for the cover, yeah, all that. So I always wear them. And all you have to do when you're grouse hunting, you're walking through the brush and you, you put your hand up against uh, uh, prickly ash. Yeah. That, you won't do that again. Yeah, and something else. You don't want to make an ash of yourself. Right. right. Okay, Brian asks... All great show. That was, that was very clever, Scott. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Good one, Scott. Yeah, really, Last year, I saw one of your... a lot to this guy. Yeah. I know. Well, I'm a hand model. That's why I wear gloves. I don't want to, you know... Last year, I saw one of your shows where you were hunting in North Dakota, then literally walked across a dirt road, and were hunting in South Dakota. Where is this place? It's uh, called The Border. Yeah. <laughs> it exists Next across question. the entire... That particular episode was shot by Lemon, which is... A uh, lot of lots of birds up there by Lemon, South Dakota, which the railroad tracks cut it in half, and the north side is North Dakota. Ron's checking his watch. I'm moving along here. It's an here. hour. It's well, an okay, hour. This is one for one you, thing. Scott. No, this okay. is for you. Okay, Mark asks, uh, have the flush hats arrived yet? Please let me know. I would like one and possibly a T-shirt. Why do I get that question? I want a hundred You're question. in charge of that. Well, let me just, for Lemon, what I wanted to add, though, about that, if people don't know this, is... You can hunt in South Dakota, Upland at sunrise. Yeah. And so no, that in North Dakota. Or North Dakota. North, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah bad, wrong of it. In North Dakota. So you can hunt your birds in the morning there and then go over, hop over to South Dakota where it opens up at 10, late season, noon. Extend yeah. the day a little bit. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, we, on the merchandise, we are in, we just ordered some new merchandise, some new hats that should be coming hopefully in the next week or two. And then. Well, that's a t shirt uh, too. T-shirt. Okay, well, we'll have to get on a T-shirt. I don't. I don't have anything that works on Travis, that. Travis, we, we got, got a question. Travis, we have to get rid of this. Yes, yeah, so we got a. We got a question right here. Well, you yes, need sir. more than one here. We got a whole. The coffee mug, so. Oh yeah, that's a dandy, isn't it? What's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Dan Larson from Moundsview. Okay, welcome. As an older hunter, over the years, a lot of my buddies sort of fell out of hunting. Now that I'm getting close to retirement, I'm looking for ways to connect with other older hunters to that still want to have the drive to hunt, and I'm just looking for thoughts on that. Ron could use a friend. Pheasants <laughs> <laughs> uh, forever. I, yeah. Or, hit your local chapter. Or Facebook. There's a lot of groups like that on Facebook. Yeah. I, I do Facebook, but I tend to end up giving advice to younger, younger <laughs> oh, hunters. Oh, sure. But it's tough. I would, I would, as Bill suggested, I would check out a Pheasants Forever chapter I near you do. and join that because you're going to find people uh, of your age, etc., and have the same issue. The other thing is keep yourself as physically in shape as you can, treadmill or whatever. And, um, but I think, as Bill, Bill said, that the biggest thing is to uh, uh, reach out to, to people, okay. join, join things or go to, go to things. Rough Grouse is yeah. another great one. Woodcock. Rough North Grouse Minnesota. Society. Yeah, yeah. you'll find people. A wonderful group. They've got events going on, and it's amazing how you connect with people. What do you like to hunt? Uh, I'm mostly, I do a lot of Montana. I'm actually heading out next Wednesday at this time. Well, it sounds like Montana. you and I are new best friends. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll connect. I can where show you this Where spot. are you going? I'm going to start in the northeast corner and work towards Bozeman. 
and see what I find. <laughs> that's well, good luck to there's you. A gap that's a great there. trip right it's, there. It's yeah. the high line. You're yep. going to go from Malta all the way across. Grab yep, something I, there, and thanks for the question. Yep, I'm trying to get to Slam this year. So Good for good you. Outstanding. Hey, if somebody listening in this area right now says, hey, I, I'm in the same Boat? season. Situation. Yeah. Situation. How would they find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook, I guess. Name again so uh, Dan, they can hear Dan it. Larson. Dan, Dan Larson. Dan Larson. Project Upland. I, or I'm part of the, one of them groups in that. So okay. Yeah, yeah, you can look me up. Dan Larson. So. From Minnesota. From I, would, Minnesota I wouldn't go Minnesota. there, Travis. He could end up with a weirdo, you know. <laughs> yeah. You might have some <laughs> young ladies trying to find you. Just heads up. <laughs> I will keep an eye out. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sounds Thank good. You, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, grab something, too. Can yes. I give yeah. one okay. shout out to somebody who's in the crowd today? Yeah. yeah. Last week, we shot. Rob raised his hand. <laughs> Rob raised his hand. Yes, Rob. We'd love another beer. Thank you. <laughs> Last week, we shot Sharpies. We had 90-degree weather, so we had to put the dogs to rest early. We transitioned to doves. We had great dove hunting, and much of it was due to our loads from Federal. Brian Kelvington is here tonight. Yay, Brian. There he is. Super, I was just going to fry Brian, actually. So it's super, good super patient. He's, <laughs> he's got already the loaded. He's got the shakes because he's thinking about duck opener this weekend. Yep. But, Brian, thank you for everything you do for us. And without federal, it's a whole different game. And we'd be, we'd be shooting fun. bows and arrows. <laughs> and I've seen Ron shoot bows and arrows. And <laughs> we wouldn't have very good TV shows. Uh, Brian. On, as long as we have you right now, I have a question that came in from somebody. Uh, Eric is his name. I, I don't need to read the whole thing, but essentially he's, uh, I think he's somewhere in Kansas, and he's trying to find Prairie Storm ammunition, and he can't find it. My suggestion to him would be to go onto your website and order directly off the website if there's a particular shell that he's looking yeah. for that he can't find. Brian, would you say that's solid advice? I've given it to a few people. I hope it's the right answer. Give it a shot, Brian. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. wow. Come on. Take away Ron That was clever. That, that was clever. Travis, that is a solid advice. Um, is to go on to federalpremium.com, and you can uh, check out our website. There is a availability. It's limited availability right now. Obviously, there's a strong demand still for yep. hunting ammunition. But um, it's always a good resource if you can't find it at your local, local dealer or your big box stores to go on to federalpremium.com. Yep. And um, it's all there. All of our, our breadth of our lineup is, on, is available there. What's, tip, what's a turnaround typically on the orders that you're... You should, depending on the carrier, right? That's yep. also a, a variable that we can't control. But if you put in an order, you should be getting it within two to three weeks. Outstanding. Well, there you go. So, Eric, I hope that answers your question. If anybody else has ammunition questions similar to that, because it's gotten better. I mean, it's you and better. I, we've talked about this. We'll probably have another conversation this fall, too, and, and update people on where the ammunition is at currently. But it's not what it was two years ago. It's, it's a lot better. But if there's certain shells that you're looking for, yep. you can, yep. you can also do com. the – yeah, you can also custom order – you can. You can go onto our custom shop. So you go onto the website. There's a tab that says custom shop. And if you want to order your own specialized load, whether it's shot shell or center fire, uh, with your own bullet or your own uh, shot preference for, for shot shell, it's there, especially if you want to shoot TSS. 
Nice. And as long as I've got you, and I, I here we go. <laughs> we got another one. I know. The Stop orange the puff. The orange puffy vest question. I emailed I you a couple days that. ago. The yes. Federal puffy vest. The federal okay. puffy vest. Yeah. We get that. That's like our gloves, and then the vests that we wear, and then the orange federal puffy vest. I have one. I know so you do. Rob. You have to be a real special person, like the four of you up here, uh, to oh. get that orange puffy vest. But on the website, if you go on the merchant site, merchandise tab we are selling that puffy vest in black black so it's, it's, okay. not, it's stylish it's not the orange, i wear it all the time stylish. every time i wear it, my wife's like that looks good it's a great vest. Like, thanks babe great vest. it's kind of slimming isn't it travis it is yeah. slimming it's, too it's i need flattering. that <laughs> but the orange puffy vest is for our uh, friends and family isn't that funny like how that know. works oh, well. gosh it feels good yeah Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate Appreciate it. Thank you so much for Brian. all you do for Brian, do you want a federal hat? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got federal hats and, and this wonderful 100-year anniversary celebration yeah. book here, too. Please take give it. those books out. Yeah, yeah we got to give those books I out. I know, I know. All right. Thank it, you, I, This gentleman here have a question, I yeah. think, so we're going to trade the mic here. Oh, we've got an answer. All right. All right. Mic up. There you go. All right. Name? Yeah, my name's Kenan. Welcome. Welcome. All right, so... There was a question about how do you get involved or how you connect with people in this local community. So yeah. uh, the Great Water Chapter, Pheasants Forever, is a local chapter of there West Hennepin uh, right here. So we represent basically Minnetonka, Hopkins, and we do events locally. Uh, we do uh, you know groups with uh, parks where we do habitat projects. Uh, we'll be doing banquets, but ultimately it's a chapter. We have a bunch of people that connect and uh, tell stories, get together, and, and really trade tips and and you know, search out new places we're trying to hunt. So Love it's it, a man. great, great water you. chapter. Great water. There great you go. Water Let me, Thank you. Thank Grab you. something. Let me ask you this, though. Yep. You are an urban chapter. You are in the city. So with Pheasants Forever saying, all right, we're raising our money. It's going back to habitat and education. You don't have a lot of habitat you can deal with. So That's correct. How yep. do you manage that? Where did... It's a great question because, you know, we're unique in that we're never going to buy land in Hennepin. There's not just the land acquisition cost doesn't make sense. But the the best thing about Pheasants Forever and the chapters and what they've already established and some of, you know, the best chapters of of pheasant hunting country that we have is that we're going to kind of combine, you know, what we have here in our territory and in our geographic density of people, a lot of hunters, and we're going to represent and we're going to support a lot of that growth. So it's really about supporting kind of the buffer habitat to, you know, Hennepin. But with Pheasants Forever, we get, you know, ultimate choice on where we do that. So yep. it's going to really be combining with the chapters and, and helping them grow uh, much further into what they've already done for many years. So we're a brand new chapter in year one. So we're really going to put us off yeah, on the map. So. That's great. Awesome. Fabulous. I'm well going to get you a because I'm a West Hennepin guy. All right. Well, appreciate it. And like I said, uh, everyone that, and, you know, Rough Grouse Association, all those groups are great chapters to get involved with as well. So. Yep. Appreciate Thanks for coming Thank, up. Grab yeah. something. All right. yeah, but it's something that just blew away. Anna, get an elite membership to Onyx right there. Um, oh, here and we since go. Since Brian just mentioned the 100-year anniversary of Federal, they have this unbelievable book that is going to you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Kurt oh, asks. We have another, another oh, we got question. another question. Yep. Another question. All right, keep them coming. So first of all, shout out to Southwestern North Dakota. I love that uh, comment. We go pheasant hunting and then uh, grouse hunting down by uh, New England, south of Dickinson every That's year. And, right where we were. Yeah, great area. we got to get your name first. Yeah. Name and uh, where you're from sorry, now. My name's Doug. Uh, originally from you know, Bismarck, Manor, North Dakota, but I'm here in Hopkins, actually, a couple blocks away. So nice. awesome oh. location, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess my question is kind of going off the, the last person that stepped up here is, you know, as someone in, the metro, in a metro area, there's a lot of pressure, especially if you're finding upland or even waterfowl. 
What tips do you guys have to recommend you know, hunters in the area to, to deal with that pressure? Or how do you find uh, you know, open, open land to, uh, to go out, you know, given all the competition in the area? I've got a couple answers to that, actually. You start, yeah. Um, so you're, you want to try to time your outings when it might be open. If you can, which I understand most people are working and they can't go. But if you have the option to go out during middle of the week, your chances of being the only one there are a lot higher. But also being open when you get there to just like there's been so many times living because I'm not far away from here either where I go out to a property and I only have two hours, but there's somebody else there. And I spark up a conversation and I say, hey, you want to go together, you know, and you end up still getting to enjoy the hunt instead of, you know, crap, I didn't get to hunt tonight because there was somebody else there. So be, I think being in a metro area, an area closer, you just have to make a little bit different uh, plans than you might if you're out in where you grew up, obviously, in, in bird country out there. I, and what I would add to that is <clears throat> do some trial and error. error. Pick an area, go on your OnX, find the public spots, and spend the day there. And you might run into a lot of hunters. And you go, okay, you know, that, that, I'm going to check that one out and I'm going to try another area. And, and that's, in growing up in the cities and hunting, that's what I did. We would, me and a buddy would just go to an area and we'd hunt, 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 and then go, wow, there's too many people here. Let's go further north, west, south, or something like that. And then you find the spot where there's not quite as many people out. And to Travis's point, when you hunt, if you can hunt, midweek, that's obviously a benefit. Um, if you're a weekend hunter, which I was for many, many years, it was then, okay, I'm going to either drive a little further, take a little longer, and, and try and find those spots that maybe there's not as many people trying to get to. But I would zone in on a spot, and I would hit everything I could in there. It just, it, and that was with the old map books at the time, right. not, not with OnX and what you have now. My tact is just a little bit different. I like to pick areas that are far away. I look at a map and say, most people aren't going to go through the trouble to go there. So I adjust my schedule so I can get there. The other thing I really like to do is talk to landowners. It's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, to talk to strangers. Yeah. But I make a point of it, and more often than not, people are so pleasant and if two say no, they're not rude about it. They say, actually, I've got family that's coming. Nah, nah, nah. But check over here. And some of the best areas we've ever found to hunt are through those conversations. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. But I have never, I can't think of one day I have ever had when I set out to go hunt and did not have an opportunity because we just struck out. Excuse me, I would echo Bill's comments uh, for example um, there are places that have good pheasant populations uh, that aren't well known one of them would be like at Malacca for example I shouldn't even say that you but just did. I just did did I say Malacca put a pin in that damn it I, I just lied <laughs> Malacca it's in Italy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can go there I'll, I'll guarantee you you're not going to run into another pheasant hunter and there may not be any public land there, but as Bill's point, 
if you know what pheasant habitat looks like as you're driving around, you say, my gosh, look at that farm. It's got all this grass, blah, 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 blah. Go in and ask permission. Uh, ask him how his corn crop is doing or whatever, but uh, don't be a nerd. And, and <laughs> nine times out of ten... Good advice. Sage yes. advice, Ron. Well, Scott, you... I, that's why I fail all the time. <laughs> Scott fails all the time. Uh, you, you'll get permission. So it's, there's no mystery. Just, um, as Bill how, said, go to places. How long have you been in this area? I've been in this area for you know, 10, 10 plus years, but I've always gone back to North Dakota to hunt. Yeah, so, oh, you know, see, that's right? your problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, it is. That's part of it. Uh, I don't know as many you know, hunters in the metro area, so that, that's part of it. No, you got to... You, you got to stick around here. The challenge yeah. is we don't have the chunks of land like they do in the West, right? The family ties. We know, do have a walk-in program now that's growing. and But if you're going to drive an hour West on a weekend, you're going to see cars. Exactly. It just is the way it is. And my mind says, all right, that's been hit 20 times. Any pheasant that was there is now long gone. Yeah. So I just... I would rather spend an extra hour or two of driving to get out in a way to some of those areas. And yeah. that's how I measure. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. No, Thank sense. you for the question. Have a prize. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Grab something Appreciate here. It. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. We Your really trivia for there. the day, our director of photography and our production manager, Aaron Ochtenberg, hometown New Leipzig. Oh, really? So okay. So just awesome. around the corner small, from you. Small world, huh? Yep. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We are... Brandon, we're kind of pushing our, our limits here. We're going to try to wrap this up. Uh, if anybody else has any other questions and you want anything up here, you're going to have to come up pretty quick. I'm going to go through just a couple more of these uh, listener questions. Scott, this one is kind of to you. Uh, David asks, will the Hank hunt be a yearly hunt? And if so, how do I sign up? Well, first off, Scott, explain what the Hank hunt is. It's well, very Well, we've important. gone into pretty in-depth on this yeah, show a couple times, and we're, we're short on time, so... So the, right, the, short, the short answer is it is leaning that way. Okay. Um, we're, we're in year two this year. Ron and I are going to host the second Hank Hunt, and um, I, I think we've got some good momentum to continue this and can move it around state to state, different areas, and invite people to join us on this hunt. So th I think I would say it's a 85% chance, yes. Yeah, I would say so, too. Uh, here's a shout-out. Rob... A bear is uh, just wrote in and said, love the show. My daughter shot her first Minnesota sharp tail last weekend. Nice. Shout out to Rob's daughter. That's fantastic. Uh, Kurt asks, what ear protection does Travis use? It has a lanyard and they are buds that go in his ears. So I use uh, phantoms made by sound gear. Sound gear is part of a Starkey company here in Minnesota, but sound gear is very well known. Pheasants forever. Sponsor, um, Sound Gear, basically it's, uh, if, if you're looking for hearing protection, I highly recommend it. I take it from me. My mom will, uh, <laughs> she's nodding right now. I didn't take good care of my hearing a long time ago, and I wear hearing aids now because of it. And a lot of it is because I just shot the shotgun, loud noises, um, I could have prevented that, and now I'm paying the price. So I, I recommend to everyone, my kids are wearing hearing protection. Um, and to answer Kurt's question, the Soundgear Phantoms are the hearing protection that I'm currently wearing. Ron, you wear hearing protection?
during protection when you're out there? No. Oh, no. I, I do now. You got to put that down there. <laughs> nope, over here. I'm sorry, I do there now. Go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I wear hearing protection, but that's like letting the horse out and then closing the barn door. Do you wish you would have... Years ago, well, you taking didn't think better of, care of it. You didn't think of it back then. Yeah. Nobody said anything. I, di I didn't ignore any warnings because there weren't any warnings. So as I got older, discovered I couldn't hear my wife, which sometimes is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> she's not here tonight. And that's hopefully right. she, hopefully yes. she doesn't listen to the I podcast. I can talk yeah. big time when she's not here. I think, I think we'll, we've got some more questions, but I think I, we can wrap it up right now. Brandon... I uh, appreciate you taking the time to set everything up here. I uh, appreciate every one of you guys coming out tonight. This is awesome. It's, Thank you. It's everybody. a lot of fun to hang out with you, to, to share stories. I think we're going to probably do this again, Scott. Yeah, we're doing it October 12th. Well, I'll, I'll make another yeah. announcement on upcoming shows. We'll get the details. Brandon, are you going to wear shorts in October? I mean, I'm freezing up here. We may here. not be able to do the rooftop, the wolf yeah, top here, but it's top. cool to see the dogs. I love the dogs that we've got to meet tonight. Uh, we'll figure out something. It's a great location here. Hunting season is upon us. It's a great time of the year. Hope each and every one of you have a full, safe, and successful hunting season. And we'll do this again. Ron, will you come back? Thank you, everyone, for being here. Appreciate it. Ron? What? Will you come back? Uh, when is it? We don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> we will tell you, but will you come back? Of course I will. All right. We've got him. You heard it right there. All right. We'll be back. Speaking of being back, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Flush Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Yay! Yay.